Ciao, amici. I'm Laura Puccia-Valtorta. Welcome to my new podcast, Beach Encounters, Horror, Science Fiction, and Romance at the Beach. This is part one of the first episode, a short story entitled Sea Slug. What happens when an American woman is married to a foreign man? Fun and adventure, that's what but cultural obstacles can appear along the way. What is the spouse's attitude toward family, toward the possibility of children growing up and leaving home? Maybe a monster helps out. Joining us in the reading are my husband, Marco, a computer scientist, and her son, Dante, a musician. Dante is the star guest of my other podcast, Dante's Music. Please watch my films, including the feature-length comedy, Bermuda, the short documentary, The Art House, and the short narrative comedy, Disability, on channels such as Tubi and Amazon Prime Video. Just like with my other podcast, B is for Bisexual, we'll add a new short story every Sunday until the stories are finished. For now, here's the first part of my short story, Sea Slug. The house directly on the beach in Harbor Island, South Carolina, was on the market for $350,000, an unheard of low price for a four-bedroom, two-bath with a view of the ocean. It stood up high off the sand with a carport underneath. We got this house, we got this in the bag, shouted Alice who was excited about the prospect of doing something as a couple for once in her life with Puyan and without their two daughters, who are both off at college, Sylvia at MUSC Medical School and Cayenne at Stanford. We can do this. We can afford this. It's the shizbang, the cat's pajamas. It's right on the beach. Puyan regarded her with sad rodent eyes his mustache hanging off his lip like an upside-down horseshoe, quivered pathetically. He never understood half of what Alice said. She and Cayenne traded obscenities and insults that whizzed past Puyan's head like darts and dragonflies. Something will be wrong with that house. So cheap. Alice realized he had a point but she felt nervously motivated like a crazy backyard squirrel. The last owner died there. That's why it's cheap. Let's hit this thing. Let's do this. Now that the girls are gone, said Puyan, I don't care. They were living their lives at two different ends of the candle, Alice thought. Puyan at the wide bottom end and Alice at the burning wick. If you don't care, said Alice, if it means nothing to you either way, I'm going to buy it. Puyan's mustache drooped even lower. Alice wondered if this adventure would ease Puyan's depression or deepen it. But if she didn't try, if she didn't try buying the house, she would never know. Iranians were very mysterious people. Italians, like her people, seemed to be more gregarious, risk-takers. Italian-American families grew, matured, burst apart, and moved away to far-flung places. But this was exactly what Puyan himself had done, 
left his family, escaped. So why was he sad? At last they were free as a couple, like when they were first married and walking down Main Street, Columbia, from a restaurant to the Nickelodeon cinema. No worries about when they had to get home. Two years of that bliss and then they had children. After that followed 20 years of meal preparation, homework battles, snotty noses, and soccer games. It was good to be a grown-up again, a free agent. On a hot June day, Alice closed her law office for a week and drove to Beaufort to meet with the closing attorney. Puyan was at a mathematics conference in Palo Alto, trying to hook up with Cayenne, spy on her really, and check on her activities. So it was a good time to act. Puyan texted her that their daughter wasn't answering her phone. Cayenne, a brilliant girl with no focus in life, was probably off with her friend's smoking pot. But Alice couldn't say that to Puyan. Let him find out, get real on his own. Surrounded by wood paneling and hunting pictures, the real estate attorney, Bobby Woof, looked at Alice with a porky smirk on his face. His eyes were blue pinpricks. You sure you want to close on this place without your husband present? Yeah, I'm sure, said Alice. My name is the only one on the deed. I also drove here on my own and can use the bathroom without his permission. Her car was a Tesla that she had paid for with her earnings as a disability attorney. Alice didn't like the look of Bobby Woof's face, his fried egg air of superiority, or his cigarette-smelling paralegal out front. But she refrained from saying that. For the thousandth time in her life, she thanked the great goddess she had not married an American man. All the flubby, pale, incest-faced American self-righteousness was not for her. Cool car, said Bobby. Woof! They passed the paperwork endlessly back and forth. Alice used her own pen. At the end of the signings, she handed Bobby a check for the down payment made out from her and Puyan's joint account. This your husband? said Bobby, scrutinizing the check. Yeah. He a U.S. citizen? Alice felt the pressure building up inside her head. Your gal out front. She got a high school diploma or what? What? Just give me the deed, and I expect you to register it properly so that there's no question I own it with a flawless chain of title. Bobby handed Alice a packet and stood up. They nodded but did not shake hands. This was the moment she had been waiting for, escaping the smelly office, driving on Highway 21 past the marshes, opening the door to her own beach house, walking to the water, breathing the salt air. At the guard's gate, she explained to the young woman that she had just purchased the property at 123 Oceanfront Drive. The guard, after reading something on a clipboard, nodded. She handed Alice an application for an owner's sticker. Alice rolled down the windows. It was early on a Friday afternoon. She had a small packed suitcase and a bag full of groceries, including fish. The place was all hers for unpacking, cleaning, and beach walking for as long as she wanted to stay. The beach air smelled deliciously salty. At the end of the point, she rolled into her own driveway, 
Oceanfront 123 had been freshly painted yellow with white shutters. She wondered if the shutters really shut or were just for show. As she opened the front door, she could see all the way through the entrance, past the living room and the porch, into the ocean. Blue crested waves. Beyond that, Edisto Island. It was nature. It was heaven. It was the beach. That night, Alice slept soundly. She had purchased a new mattress earlier and brought in new sheets for the master bedroom. Her walk on the beach and then sitting on the porch and texting her sisters and daughters a photo and the news, this is the new Javidian beach house, had taken up the whole afternoon. She read a book by John Grisham. The only thing missing was Puyan sleeping next to her. At 6 a.m., a watering, hissing noise on the beach side woke her up. She woke, walked out onto the porch wearing nothing but a t-shirt and underwear. It was still dark. Down below, something massive was moving, not the size or shape of a human. It moved and pulsated. Maybe somebody's dog, a big dog, the size of a baby whale. Alice did not remember anybody mentioning whales in this part of South Carolina. There were plenty of dolphins, sea pork, horseshoe crabs, sharks. Nothing this size unless it was an extra large alligator. Shrugging, she went back to bed. Whatever it was, it was crawling and oozing low on the sand, far below the Javidian's porch. The next day, the sand thing was gone. She walked to the pancake breakfast at the community center. Every Saturday, the homeowners association charged $5 for pancakes money that went into the Island Beautification Fund. Don and Helen Horsley, HOA president and vice president, were making and serving pancakes that morning. Anybody ever seen a whale on the beach? Alice asked, sitting down uninvited at a table full of fogies. The man and two women shook their heads. No whales around here, they said. Just a bunch of tourists. The fogies chortled, and Alice smiled. I thought I saw something crawling on the beach this morning early. Could be an alligator, said a thin woman with long gray hair. They swim in the ocean sometimes, you know. Or a fishing boat, said the man, whose eyes were bulging. I don't know, said Alice. She poured some artificial syrup on her pancakes. Helen Horsley stopped her on the way out. Welcome to the island. You're foreigners, right? No, we live and work in South Carolina, said Alice. We're all Americans. It was nobody's business if her husband was Iranian-American. He worked hard and paid his taxes. Maybe in another year or so, she would know Helen well enough to reveal their story. I thought I heard your husband had an accent, said Helen. Alice dodged the question. Ever seen a large sea creature on the beach in the morning? Nope, just sea turtles. Well, I saw something this morning, and it was bigger than a sea turtle. On the way out, another woman, very small and slight, with a bright smile, stopped her by placing a claw-like claw hand on her forearm. Hi, welcome to the island. I'm Sarah Rubenstein. I, I heard you saw the creature. Sarah stood up. She was about five feet tall and hunched over. Let's walk together to the road. They exited the pancake room together and navigated down the stairs. 
I'm glad I'm not the only one who saw that thing, said Alice. She was surprised to see that Sarah was walking all the way home. Her back was the shape of a candy cane. I don't mean to sound mysterious, said Sarah. But you'll see it again and again until you get over your sickness. Huh? What do you mean? Alice thought that Sarah might be a witch. COVID? We've all been vaccinated and boosted. I saw that sea slug, that big animal, when I first moved here, said Sarah. Every morning until I got my will straightened out. Oh, we should get together for coffee. Glad to, said Sarah. I live in that white house, Shipwatch Circle. She pointed to the tall white house with the widow's walk on top. Give me an hour, said Alice. I'll make a casserole and bring it over. Instead, Alice made brownies in her new kitchen because she had no ingredients for anything fancier. Sarah's house was carpeted from top to bottom with unbeachy furniture, such as a grandfather clock and spindly chairs everywhere. Her bookcase was filled with statuettes of birds, animals, and people, none of them higher than three inches tall. The shelves were filled with mysteries and books by Margaret Atwood. The walls were painted turquoise and beige. You know, I was an attorney for 40 years, Sarah told her when they sat down with tea and brownies. No kidding, I'm a disability lawyer. I used to do employment discrimination. What about you? Car accidents, said Sarah. And divorces. Were you married? asked Alice, cutting to the core. She saw no reason to skip around the garden with this woman who had direct, piercing eyes, loads of books, and a huge manual on Kabbalah opened on her coffee table. Yes, three times to be exact, said Sarah. They're all dead now. I got into trouble with my children when I married the second man, but he was the love of my life. I think my second marriage enticed the creature, that slug, to crawl out of the ocean and stare at me. It was horrible. Before that, I always thought I was a good person, always right. Alice chewed a third brownie and contemplated this. Why should a woman as formidable as Sarah care about what her children wanted once they were grown and out of the house? My husband is from Iran, said Alice. He's a math professor. Sarah smiled. Ah, professors. Valuable geniuses, but so impractical. They never seem to know what to do. They stumble around. They can't sell themselves. Lawyers are just better at that. Lawyers are just better at everything, said Alice. <laughs> I began seeing the big sea creature when I bought this place. Sarah swept her arms around. It has four bedrooms, three baths, and a study. Marvin, my first husband, never would have gone for it. But Sam, my second husband, thought it was wonderful. I actually used the widow's walk on top. I'm not sure my husband, Puyan, is as excited about a house on the beach as I am. Sarah poured herself another cup of tea and slurped it down. He'll come around. Harbor Island is relaxing and beautiful. Just ramp up the sex. Alice raised her eyebrows. She and Puyan had regular sex. It was good, if a little robotic. Yeah, you got that right. Men love sex. Puyan is depressed because our daughters are gone away. One to college and one to medical school. <laughs> medical school, said Sarah. Both my daughters went to medical school because Marvin insisted. What about the sea creature, said Alice. Oh, it's probably harmless, a special gin. Looks like a giant manatee. Ah, uh, Puyan told me about gins. 
It's like a genie, right? Sarah smiled. You know, it could be. It could be a magical animal, a good spirit. Maybe you should bring it some food or some fresh water. Alice had a sudden, disgusting vision of a huge piece of sashimi. How do I get rid of it? Sarah shrugged. Depends on your personal problems. (laughs) More tea? When Alice nodded, Sarah picked up the tray and flitted away to the kitchen, her tiny feet barely parting the carpet. Bitch looks like a bird, Alice thought. Sarah would be the last person to recommend calling animal control. Well, that's the end of part one. Wait until next Sunday for the second half of Sea Slug.